Yes, it is. Welcome to another episode of Gooch Live right here at the bottom line, 22 Front Street, brought to you by those good people at the Hockey News, of course, Sports Illustrated, and our good friend, Wayne Cowley. And you know what's great about this show? My producer, Jordan LaRoche, goaltender. We're going to be talking to one of my favorites, one of the guys that I remember back, I think it was 2006, if I'm not mistaken. He backstopped the Oilers almost to a Stanley Cup. Certainly wasn't his fault. Dwayne Rolson's going to join us in a second. But Wayne Cowley says hello. He's not at the bar. He'd be here personally. Here he is, the producer, Jordan LaRoche. How cool is this to have another goaltender? No, I mean, a great guest, first off, a very long NHL career. And, and uh, I mean, I didn't know too much about him before. Uh, well, you are too young is what you're trying to. Maybe. I'm but, old. But I, I, also, I, I didn't grow up in North America. So right, it's really hard for me to watch hockey and follow yep. hockey. But uh, the 2011 um, uh, Eastern Conference Finals, it was game seven against the, the Boston Bruins. That was the year they went on to win Stack Hill with Tim Thomas. But uh, that, that game seven was just one of, my, one of my first full hockey games watching. And I learned a lot about uh, just the hockey in general from that game. And Dwayne Rolison. Uh, almost had the shutout. It was a 1-0 loss, but no, it's still a remarkable game. Well, he's right He's right in the middle. Young, old, and medium. <laughs> so I'm really looking forward to this. Obviously, we want to thank Terry Rivard for putting yeah. this together and, and getting a, a, a gentleman that was a Hobie Baker Award nominee. Uh, didn't get drafted, but got the opportunity to sign uh, with Calgary in uh, 1994 as a free agent. Let's talk to him. He's here, Dwayne Rolston. Hey guys, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? We're fantastic. Well, thank you for joining us. Of course, uh, I've got Jordan joining me. Of course, as the producer, you're going to give me all the goaltender lingo. Uh, I played forward, so I don't really get your guys' mindset. I just tried to figure out how to score on you guys. Uh, didn't do it successfully over in North America. Got uh, lucky when I played in Germany, but certainly always a pleasure to talk goaltending. Listen, you've had it. You had an illustrious career, played uh, well over seven, uh, 600 games, National Hockey League, 227 uh, wins. But this is the stat that I understand best. Goals against average, 2.72. Be right in the, the lines of a top goaltender here today in the National Hockey League. But his save percentage at 9.08 is very good. Your thoughts? Yeah, and I, I mean... I think the way that goaltending has become over the last decade or so, it has definitely the general save percentage, at least the top end has increased. Uh, but a 9 away is very, very respectable. So, Dwayne, as we get into the uh, – obviously, you played for a couple of teams. I mentioned right off the bat the Cal uh, Calgary Flames, but I do remember it It was 2006. would like to hear from you. Obviously, as you – you you know, uh, a Hobie Baker Award nominee – and then not getting drafted and getting the opportunity to sign with Calgary. Can you walk us through those earlier days and how obviously the game has changed a bit for goaltenders? Yeah, for sure. Um, coming out of college, I, I, I didn't go into university until I was 20. So, um, so I didn't come out until I was 24. And, and believe it or not, I was a stand-up skate save goalie when I came out of college. <laughs> so, um, so my first little bit of pro was was tough 
um, trying to convert from the stand-up skate save guy into what I sort of took as becoming a hybrid hybrid type of goalie. Uh, I had Roland Melanson as my goalie coach, and we spent a lot of time on the ice together, and there's a lot of uh, French swearing at me and English swearing <laughs> at him, and uh, you know, out of frustration because I couldn't do something or or didn't understand what he was trying to get me to do, and. You know, that was the first transition for goalies, really, during that time where guys were more in control. And, you know, that evolved over my career. And, you know, now now the game's totally changed, uh, you know, the way goalies play now compared to what even when I played. And I finished playing it in 2012. So, it, you know, it's not that long ago, but it is long. But, uh, you know, you guys touched on numbers earlier. You know, I think I when I signed my first contract, I got a bonus if I was over 890 in a save percentage. And I got a bigger bonus if I was over nine, you know? So now it's like, if you're just over nine or at 908, your, your numbers aren't good enough to, to be a starter in the NHL. So it just goes to show how, how the game's evolved, how the defensive side of the game is, is really important compared to the wide open style of game that the Grand Fears and um, the guys before me played. And, and in my era, how it was a little, lot more open game. Hey, listen, I want to do a shout out to Eric. Thank you for joining us. Of course, Ian Grant Cobb. Yes, the goaltender. We're going to talk about this a little bit. Uh, mentally toughest uh, position. I'm not sure I'm going to, if you're a goal scorer and you ain't goal scoring, you're in trouble too. I think there's a lot of problems there. And if you're goalie and you're letting them in, of course, it'll be a tough one. And of course, Tino Stutzgartzen, thank you for joining us all the way from Germany. Uh, he remembers you playing. Uh, it was actually his first ho uh, hockey, World Hockey Championships. He didn't play. He was a big fan in Germany uh, of some of the teams I played, always on the show. Remembers you in 1995 where you uh, won a bronze medal uh, in Stockholm. Uh, we talked off camera a little bit. We'll talk about your international career as we go through this. But I really want to get back to you, Jordan and and Dwayne, about that transition for a goaltender because you you talked about the stand up. They they went to obviously to the butterfly and the double stacks. Was the equipment changing also at that time? Was there an evolution of the goaltending pad getting smaller? Uh, because in the old days, uh, you know, with the Johnny Bauer type, uh, certainly couldn't stop uh, pucks with those today. Yeah, for me, um, my first year in, in Calgary playing in, with the Flames, it was complete renovation of, uh, of the goalie gear. Um, that's when they, they started cutting everything down. It was funny because uh, Brian's was a goalie pad company and made maybe a set of pads with reversing C's on them. Like, there's actually a hockey card of them. Uh, I never wore Brian's, but they were trying to get me to wear the gear. So they ended up sending me pads that summer. And, you know, I'm in camp and pads are huge. And Dave Dryden comes in, who was <laughs> monitoring goalies, and you know, just talked about uh, all the changes that they're making. And so he measures my pads. My pads were like 14 inches, like two inches over what the standard is. I'm like, well, maybe I guess it won't be using those. And then, then he grabs my glove. He's like, oh, why don't you take the two inches off your pad and add it to your glove? Because I had a really small glove. It was almost like a third baseman's glove. So, um, but yeah, going through the changes and all that stuff was, 
was different. Um, you know, for me, I always had small gear anyway, so it didn't really bother me. Um, you know, it was actually like my glob, everything else I could go bigger with. So, so I didn't, didn't mind the change. Some of the other guys had some tough times with the changes and, um, but it's part of the game and I'm glad that everybody's on a level playing field now. And as long as the goalies aren't getting hurt. And that was a big thing when they first went to blockers and the gloves, goalies were breaking fingers. And, um, so I actually, I changed my blocker where it sat on my hand. So I, I didn't break any fingers and my glove was I just did change the paddings around just a little bit just so I didn't uh, break a finger there. Yeah, uh, I think it was around the 2010-2011 point. You made the switch to, to Warrior and actually wore Warrior's first ever line of goal equipment that they ever made with the, the, the Messiah leg pads, uh, the glove and the blocker. Um, I, I, who, who were you with before then and why did you kind of make this, take the risk to go with uh, a Warrior product? <laughs> wow. Just to show it, you know, the type of person I am, I, I'm pretty loyal to friends and, and equipment guys and, and people who, who helped me out. So when I was in university, Peter Marshall was my bow rep um, at University of Lowell. So he's based out of Boston. Yeah. So when I turned pro, I stayed with Bauer. Um, and then uh, I had some issues with the, you know, I was backing up down my Cassie. So I played 14 games in two years there. So Bauer wasn't, I wasn't a priority to them to, to get gear out. So I switched to Vaughn at that time and then um, to iTech quickly and then back to to Louisville and then the Warrior. So the common theme is Brad, Brad Jansen. Was, oh, yeah. Uh, so Brad, Brad's a good friend. A legend. Uh, yes. So, so I had, Brad was my, my rep uh, with TPS and, and then, um, then with Louisville, or so with Louisville, and then Victoriaville at the time, they they sort of bought each other out type of thing. I'm not sure who bought who out. And then um, Peter Marshall, was, Brad hired Peter Marshall, and then Brad sort of got out of the business, and Peter went to Warrior, so I I switched to Warrior. So, yeah, it's, a, it's a long story, but I yeah. You know, Take care of my friends and people that treated me well. I wanted to treat them well. So, uh, Brad's a legend. Like everywhere I go, every every NHL All Star game, uh, the draft, you always get to see him, and he's such a classic. Uh, we got people outside looking in on you, uh, uh, Dwayne uh, Front Street, obviously downtown Toronto. I wanted to say uh, a shout out from Al Kerr. Wow, Roly the goalie, what a great guest. Oh. Got him. Hey, listen, I wanted to give a little bit of shout out to some of your accolades too as we walk through your plank. East first all star team, 1994, Hockey East Player of the Year, 1994, NCAA first uh, All American team, another uh, all star with the AIHL uh, in 2001. Uh, this is a nice one. Played in the NHL All Star game in 2004. Uh, so many great moments when you played in hockey uh, in some of the games, of course. But the one that stands out for me, and I wanted to go there because you played with such a cast of crew of players, of course, Captain Canada. Uh, we all know Ryan Smith, of course. But in that playoff, you were absolutely outstanding. You went 12-5 and five, uh, through the first three rounds. And had you guys won 
the, the Stanley Cup that year, it was very likely you would have been the consmite. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, that's hindsight. Uh, you know, you, I got hurt in game one. And, you know, so it's unfortunate that we, you know, once I got traded there, we had set, set out a goal to win our last game of the year. And unfortunately, we didn't. We weren't able to. Well, you know, sometimes we look back at things like that, not having the opportunity to win there, but being a part of that team. That team was a team with some really good characters. Talk to me a little bit about Ryan Smith, uh, that no-lose no attitude, that uh, give everything you got. Uh, was he as crazy in the dressing room as he was on the ice? No, Ryan Ryan was pretty quiet in the locker room. Um, you know, we, that, the reason why that team had so much success was was how close our team was. Um, you know, Jason Smith was our captain, and Ryan, and then Chris Bronger and Ethan Morrow. They, all those guys have been, besides Bronze, had been, been in Edmonton for a long time. And the way they, they handle people and the way they treat people within that organization, it, it's remarkable. It, you know, I got traded there and I made the team in San Jose. You know, it was like I played there for the last 10 years. Uh, it was, you know, I knew of a couple guys, but uh, I didn't know the whole team. But it was, you know, everyone was there. Very, very grateful that I was there, but also excited and very humbling how they, they sort of rallied around one another. You know, I never – Block shots weren't a really big thing in Minnesota because Jock didn't really like our guys to block shots. But in Edmonton, <laughs> it was a big deal. Yeah. And Mac T wanted our guys to block shots. And to see guys rally around guys and being up on the bench when somebody blocks a shot, you know, it was, you know, it was a big team. Team that uh, the team was so tight and close. I think a lot of it was the reason why we had so much success. Well, I know that uh, we'll get back to a little bit talking about equipment because there are some comments that are coming here. But before we do that, if you don't mind, Jordan, I'll leave you with the technical questions because I don't know the difference between right. 15 inches and 16 inches gloves and all that. So I'll leave that with you. I want to I want to expand upon a little bit of obviously when you played in the National Hockey League and then the international game for a goaltender. I find it really uh, fascinating when you go from playing in the National Hockey League in the smaller venues and then you played uh, in Stockholm, you played in Bern, Switzerland, and you played in Moscow. You won a gold uh, in Moscow. The transition from the actual playing surface, obviously Olympic size, how much of a difficult diff uh, effort did you need to change when you went from being in an NHL smaller uh, surface to a bigger surface? Were the angles different? Did it make your game better or did you have to have challenges? For me, it was a challenge. Um, even when, you know, I'll touch on the European in a sec, but even when the NHL shrunk the neutral zone, it was challenging for me. I was more of an angle goalie. So I had to learn to be a little bit more patient when I moved. And, you know, so that's just a small little change in the neutral zone. So imagine adding 15 feet on on the on the sides and 100 feet on the or another 20 20 feet on the ends it was a big difference for me and you know i really had to slow down my movements and not move as much as the puck moved i, I was used to 
you know, on the smaller ranks, you move fast, you move quick, you try and get to a certain spot. On the bigger ranks, it's, it's a lot more slower. It's almost like uh, the Matrix uh, when you're watching the guy dodge bullets. It's almost like that, where you got to slow down and sort of not not overplay things. Uh, it's pretty easy to get off angle in the in the big ranks if if you if you don't slow down. Yeah, and I, I I'd imagine just that's kind of how the the, the, the essentially goalie styles changed. I mean, it kind of went from that standoff style where. Um, you could be a little more free. You can come out a little more and challenge the puck where on that bigger ice, challenging the puck gives up a lot more options for the offense to potentially move the puck around. Uh, and as we kind of went through that change uh, with the equipment as well, which we'll get to in a little bit, how, how did that, how did that affect your game uh, through those years? Well, it, it affected it. I almost, uh, <laughs> I almost didn't get another contract. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, it, it just, it was a lot of time and a lot of change. Like, you know, when you're used to moving a certain way and you're used to hitting your spots all the time. And when, when there's a big change like that and you start moving and then all of a sudden you're, well, I'm way, I'm way off angle here. And the guys get the whole net to shoot at. So, you know, for me, it was, it was tough, uh, you know, cause it was a lot of mental me- uh, muscle memory that you had to, retrain firing patterns to get to certain spots and and you know how much time less time or more time you had to get in certain areas and it was a lot of work and you know that was the year i ended up getting traded to to edmonton and you know uh, pete peters had had put lines on the ice for me just for me to be patient and slow down and sort of get my spots and um you know, it took a lot of time. It was, it was, you know, I got traded almost at the deadline, and and that was so February sometime. So it, it took me a while to to get used to it. And once I got used to it, then I was fine. But it takes it takes a lot of time to make certain changes, especially in season to make make certain changes. It's tough. Hey, listen, a great question coming from Al Kerr. This is always a, a tough question because you played for several teams, and the question from him is, what was your favorite NHL team to play for and against? Well, against was Toronto. I, I love playing against Toronto. So, uh, of yeah, course. But, yeah. So, um, But the play for, every organization that I played for, has a lot of pros and and obviously cons, right? That's yep. that's every everyone. But I enjoyed every every place I played. Uh, you know, I played in Calgary, which is great. Then end up in Buffalo. And Buffalo was awesome. I, you know, I lived uh, an hour and a half away, so we had off days. I can go back to the cottage and you know hang out for for a day or whatever. And so, you know, we my wife and I really enjoy Buffalo. And, you know, you have Edmonton, Long Island on the stops there. So, you know, we and Minnesota, obviously, uh, Minnesota, can't forget them where I was there for five years. But, you know, every place was, was great. Um, we enjoyed every every stop we had. And and then, you know, we're living in Tampa now in the wintertime. So, you know, you know, I finished up my career there in Tampa and, you know, we loved it there. And and every place we we stopped, we have good good family friends that uh, we still keep in touch with and um you know so it's you know it's something that for us as a family that you know it 
was tough on our kids moving around, but right now they they're happy that they they're able to see the world a little bit and see North America a little bit to to enjoy you know all the good things that come about moving. Right, Jordan. Just before, if you don't mind, I want to stay with the Tampa theme yeah, here for a second. Of course, ending up in Tampa, the only coach that I got cut from, the only coach in my career, is a guy named Wayne Fleming. And one of my nicest people that I had the opportunity to be with, I know he coached uh, you in Tampa Bay. Unfortunately, we lost him, of course, to cancer. But what an incredible guy. And now we see that one of your teammates, Martin St. Louis, is now coaching, obviously, for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, first, talk to me about Wayne. He was such a nice human being, very t- statistically based, uh, very black and white, very analytical, even back in those days. Yeah, Wayne was Wayne was awesome. Um, it was every every game day. It, you know, I'd show up. Uh, it started started when I first got traded there. We're, we're going to Washington, and and I don't know the systems. Like I literally got there the night before, practice quickly. We hop on the plane, go to Washington, show up the next day for pregame skate. So I get there, and Wayne's like. Rolly, come here. Uh, okay, am I in trouble? I just got here. How did I get in trouble? He goes, we're going to talk about PK. Said, okay. Said, this is what they like to do. This is how we like to do it. Where do you want the puck to come from? Where do you want the shot to come from? I said, well, Ovi. He's like, looked at me. He's like, Ovi? I said, yeah. Because if we eliminate those four guys, Ovi's not going to get a clean shot up. He goes, I like the way you think. And it, that became a ritual. Every every day that we had a game, it was like going over a penalty killing. Uh, when Eric Brewer got there, between Eric and I, who where's our pressure points? Where, what do we want to do? How do we want to defend certain penalty, uh, power play situations? So, you know, I love talking hockey with Wayne. And, you know, Wayne's up there with Jock Lemaire with uh, two smartest guys in hockey. That, Unbelievable, uh, yeah. I have a lot of time and a lot of respect for what I learned from Wayne and how he handled himself. And yeah, I have, he was a remarkable human being and just a great coach to play for. Well, I, I got to just add to the fact that the Astrid, the reason why I got cut from him was University of Manitoba. Very, very technical coach. He knew everything and he was like that. He'd call you into his room and he'd do that. He'd get you all psyched up. But unfortunately, I had a knee injury during training camp and they couldn't sign me on the card. I have nothing but time and energy to talk about him. He's a phenomenal individual. Final part on the coaching part, Martin St. Louis, the transition from being a player to a coach. He's come in and he's basically got those guys believing in him because he is that type of guy. He's fair. Uh, he, he's uh, no bar. He makes sure that you're accountable, but certainly gives you rope. Uh, how do you see that as far as a teammate now being a coach in the National Hockey League? Yeah, I'm fortunate fortunate to have a few guys have coached in the, in the league and in there, they're there for a reason. Um, you know, Marty was a student of the game and he would, he would question coaches and he would learn from coaches, you know, like, you, you know, he'd tell us stories about him and Torch going at it about, you know, <laughs> you know, systems and structure and turnovers and all that stuff. Right. So, and he loves Torch to death and, you know, he's, he's got a lot of his coaching style from Torts. 
you know, he's going to, he's going to allow the players to play, but if you turn the puck over, make sure you get it back type of thing, you know, don't, don't just sulk and, and, you know, put your head down and, you know, get back and get the puck back and, hey, it's a game of hockey. You're going to make mistakes. It's how you, you know, react to the mistakes that you make. And, you know, Marty was, was that guy. He was a hard worker, so he's going to install the work ethic and he's going to install, you know, parts of him into the, into the team. And, you know, it's great to see. And I'm glad that he had success when he first got there and hopefully continues on having success. And I'm going to take it back a little bit uh, to the stop before uh, you went to to Tampa Bay when you were with the New York Islanders. Uh, Your first year there was actually John Tavares' rookie season uh, in the NHL. And I mean, for us being a Toronto located podcast uh, we hear everything under the sun about uh john Tavares and some good some bad but what was kind of the the buzz around long island and uh the team itself when you brought in john Tavares and that kind of rookie year that he had yeah johnny's uh, he's a great human being he's a great person if you've heard negative uh i don't know where you heard it from yeah uh, yeah you know i have nothing but respect for john and uh, here's the type of kid he is. My, my kids were playing lacrosse in Long Island, which is a huge lacrosse area, field lacrosse. And yeah. we get them some new lacrosse sticks, and they come down the rink, and they're goofing around at the arena with, with their sticks while we're practicing. Then uh, guys come off the ice, Matt, Matt Molson and Johnny are coming off the ice, and next thing you know, they got they grab both boys' sticks. They're working the pockets. They're playing catch with them. They're like – it's like John doesn't have to do that. He's 18 years old, but he was, he was in heaven, like playing with the lacrosse stick and working, working the pocket with the boys and showing them how to extend the pocket, shrink the pocket and teach them how to pick balls up. And like, it was unbelievable. And that's, that's the type of guy he is. He, he's just a great human being. He's a great, great mentor for, for the young kids. Um, and he just, he works hard. He works and he was it. a great yeah. he was a great lacrosse player. Yeah, a really a really good lacrosse player. Matt Wilson also. Uh Maddie was on that team. Um they're they're yeah. pretty tight, the two of them, and they're both lacrosse players. So um that's why Johnny's got his hands are so so great. And he's a great guy or tough guy to play against, especially in practice when pucks are coming in. Next thing you know, he's getting a stick on it, tipping it here and there. I'm like, come on, Johnny. His hand-eye coordination was remarkable, and uh, I Johnny's awesome. And you know, it's when the Corey Perry hit. Uh, you know, I know they're great friends, and you know the type of person like that John is. Like he understood the game, he understood what happened, and you know, Corey. I know Corey well. Coach Corey played against Corey enough. I know Corey was calling him that night, like he said in in the interview. But you know, it's unfortunate, but. You know, he respects people and people respect him. And that's, you know, that's why he's a leader. And that's why, you know, for me, I there's no negative. You know, whoever's speaking negative, they don't know the person. They don't know anything about the guy. Hey, listen, it is Toronto, right? And, yeah. and you do not always get a fair shake here. He's not only a great hockey player. Yes, he's getting older, as we all do, and maybe some of your skills have gone down. He's still almost a point a game yeah. in the Toronto market, Dwayne, and he still gets criticism. You know, is he leading this team? Is he? Well, 
they've got Austin Matthews, they've got Mitch Marner, they've got other players around him that he helps elevate their games. And that's the only rub that I have with fans that maybe get a little too, especially in the tell you what he's handled with nothing but class no, yeah. and, and and just what i was referring to was just the fans complaint that was on ice play which uh, if you're anyone in toronto it's bound to happen yeah i'm sure especially yeah. goalie especially yeah. goalies we are going to ask you before the night's out about the goaltender situation in toronto uh one of the questions i wanted to ask both of you guys uh again not being a goalie uh the psyche of being a goalie and you're a backup or let's say you're coming in you're the rookie um i don't know the age difference i think you're a lot younger than uh that guy has like I watched him and his the his reaction time he was unorthodox um what did you learn from him or did you say hang on a second I don't want to play like him because it's really dangerous well the thing is about Dom he has I think he's got his master's in history like he's <laughs> a, he's an extremely intelligent human being um why Dom was so good is he was able to read the play. He was able to be two, one, two, maybe three steps ahead of the play. I remember one night we're in Dallas. Uh, the red line had just come out. Zubov comes around the net and hits Dave Gagne, Gagne at the far blue line. As soon as the puck hit Gags' stick, Dom was right there, took him out. Like, you know, is that risky yeah but he knew what was happening way before it was happening you know and that's that's why he had the success that he did and and for what i learned from dom that's what i learned I, like i would ask him and i was lucky we became pretty good friends i'd ask what were you thinking what why did you do that and he would explain this is what i saw this is what i was reading and even though I, I only played, like I said earlier, 14 games in two years, I would I was able to use what he was talking about to further on my career. You know, I was starting to use it in practice, starting to take reads, and instead of reacting, I was reading the play and sort of moving into the play on the reads that I was getting, and and that helped me prolong my career later on you know, into my 40s. And uh, I, I did see a video with you where you're talking about some of the things that you picked up from Hashik. And one of the things was uh, he used to kind of bat the puck, bat the puck with his blocker That's right. out to the middle of the ice. But I saw a couple of videos of you in Edmonton actually doing it with the, the paddle of your stick. Uh, can I get, get a little more of the thought process behind that and, <laughs> and if it actually even worked? Yeah, so, well, it, it did work. And it worked well. <laughs> um when I started doing it, um, it was just more or less to relieve pressure and, you know, not take whistles. Yeah. So I did it one, one night in Minnesota. It was, you know, I, out of the blue, I forget. It was late in the game. We're up by one, and and I did it. Jock comes to me after the game. Goalie, you missed that once, you don't do it again. <laughs> <laughs> so I made sure I never missed it. Um, actually, so – in the playoffs that year, we were playing Vancouver. I had the puck, and the ref was getting – it was in the second period. I I actually hit it down 
and Alexander Day got cut across the middle, and I hit him tape to tape, and I think him and Mark Schwenard went in. It was a, a go-ahead goal. It was tied. We're down two nothing early, and we came back and ended up winning the game. But you know that the reason behind it, and reason why Dom would do the blocker, he didn't want to take a whistle in our end, especially late in a period or late in a game, you know, to to generate some offense for the other team. So, um, so that was part of the reason. And, and I just started using it a different way. And, you know, cause I, I wasn't very strong. So I used my stick as, as a baseball bat pretty much and, and try to, to do it and, and not, not flex out of the zone. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess the stick would probably be a little more uh, consistent than, than the blocker would, but uh, was there, is there any, was there any chance? Any, was there a situation where it didn't work out? Did that, you know, one case really just was not happening? Where you told to never do it again? Or, or, or you're saying maybe you knocked it in your own net? Yeah. <laughs> no, I never knocked it in my own net. Um, I did miss it during the lockout in Finland. I, I got a little quick with my, my stick, <laughs> sort of hit it straight up in the air, and it landed right in front of that. Uh, didn't end up in a goal against, but uh, it was one it's of all those, that matters. Yeah, it was one of those things. I was like, "Oh, geez, that's embarrassing." But uh, you know, it's part of the game. We all make mistakes, and yeah. you know, fortunate I was able to carry on. And Jock never took it out of my game. And um, you know, I'm sure Jock cringed every time I did it. And uh, you know, but uh, he was like I said, he was he would thought outside the box as well. Like, and I, once I explained what I was doing and why I did it, he's like, "Oh." That's why. Do it. Just don't make a mistake. So, so I got to Hey, listen, <clears throat> I know, <clears throat> excuse me, we could talk for hours because I know goaltenders could talk about it. Uh, we really respect the time that we got with you. When Terry Rivard said, hey, I can get you Dwayne Rolston, we jumped at the, the opportunity. So I know that you're a very busy guy. So I wanted to end the show with this. I wanted to get two things. One, uh, if you could tell us uh, one of the players that you had a bunch of fun with over the years and now you're still best buddies. And is it a goalie? Do goalies hang out together? Are you guys, is it a fraternity? Or do you actually have friends, maybe a defenseman who took care of you during your career? Or maybe it's a forward who scored a bunch of goals so you could lose a game 7-6. Yeah, yeah. You know, a hockey world is very small. Um you know, so like right now, I'm I'm up in Lake State working, and Mike York's up here. He's assistant coach up here. Oh so, yeah. Um, but yeah, like a lot of great friends, a lot of great memories, and you know, especially on teams that won. You know, like you know, I can call Marty, I can call Spammer. You know, I don't want to bother those guys because they're well, they're busy right now. But you know, to pick up a phone and talk to somebody, it's very easy when, especially on teams that you won with, and. You know, for me, the closest buddy at the NHL level is probably Andrew Burnett, who we, him and I hung yeah. out a lot together. Nice and, guy. Uh, Darby Henderson, another guy um, that we hang out. And, and then Philip Kuba, he's actually still in Tampa. He's coaching junior, so I play hockey with him every Thursday morning um, in Tampa. So, you know, those guys were, were close buddies in, you know, in Minnesota, and we hung out a lot and did a lot of stuff together. And, and obviously, you know, Every every stop you make, you you have a good friend there, and and you you carry on a relationship with uh, you know as your career moves on or as you retire. So it you know the hockey world, it, it's 
you know, for the fans, it's a great, great living, right? They see the money, they see how much you make. And, but the biggest thing is your family. Uh, you know, they, my, my kids, they went to 10 different high schools or 10 different schools, uh, both of them. And, you know, it's tough on them. So being able to spend quality time at home is key as well. And, you know, our wives are, they're pretty much stay at home moms. They're, they're doing everything. They, they got to get the kids to school. They got to get them to hockey or whatever sport they're playing or dance or gymnastics. You know, if they have girls, like they're, they're like a single parent throughout the hockey season. So, you know, a lot of credit goes to the wives who behind the scenes are doing everything and anything to, to get the kids and get their husband or whoever else, uh, you know, off to a certain spot or get them fed. It's, it's, it's remarkable. And uh, it's a remarkable job that they all do. And, you know, hats off to every, every wife that's married to a pro hockey player because it wasn't for them, their careers are a lot shorter. I can't agree with you more. And I think a lot of times as fans, we tend to forget the human element, you know, that you wake up in the morning and maybe one of your kids don't feel well and you've got to go and play in front of 20,000 people. There's a lot of psyche, especially, you know, you as a goaltender, you know, they're relying on you to, to be the buck stuff. I wanted to, before you ask your final question, my final question is this, obviously the game has changed quite drastically. And uh, I think the, the biggest position, I know we talk about the Kale McCars of the world, uh, you know, now what he's transcending as far as a, a defenseman goes. But as a goaltender, from your day to today, what would be the one or two things that have changed drastically that maybe the average fan wouldn't know? But as a goaltender, you can see that that transition from when you played to where it is today. Well, now every every goalie make they're making saves on their knees and you know they're down a lot more than than what it was when i when i played and you know the trend is now you, you all these weird surgeries that you see goalies having hips and labrums and their hips and all this stuff a lot of it is because of their everything they're down they're down on you know you, you go to a rink and see this you know, reverse HB as they call it, uh, where the guys are sort of sliding, they're down and sort of bent over backwards, leaning against the post. And, you know, for me, it's, I'm like, why are we doing this? You're only complicating things. It's, uh, you know, I get it. It's designed for one, one play only in a game that happens, you know, you know, maybe once or twice a game, um, you know, why not stay on your feet and have some power and, and, maybe save your body so you're not having a surgery later on Good point. and um in the speed like the the guys now the the speed of the game now the play the goalies have to adjust a lot quicker and um, you know so they got to move a lot quicker a lot more efficient to, you don't see goalies playing on the goal line as much as the as it was in the past you know once the butterfly came in and so you're starting to see the transition almost back to the 60s and 70s where the goalies were more playing at the top of the paint and, and moved well. You know, you're starting to see that transition back to goalies moving well. And, you know, and you got a big, big guy like Freddie Anderson, who I had in Anaheim, six foot four goalie who played in Toronto, who moves very well. You get a guy like that that moves well and plays at the top of the paint, it's pretty hard to beat. You know, yeah. so you know, so that's where you see the trend going with the with some of these guys, and then 
you know, for me, it's the trend is bigger goalies. Is that a good thing or a bad thing for me? If I, I I'll take a five ten goalie. Like, as long as they're stopping pucks for me, I don't I don't really care. So size doesn't matter. But a lot of GMs are are putting a don't don't bring me a six two goalie. Anybody under six two, I want somebody over six two. And you know, is there any merit to it? Well, I think Matt Murray. Sir Rose? Yeah. Vasilevsky is over 6'2. Matt Murray was over 6'2. Yeah. And before that was Ken Dryden. So, you know, so there you go for, uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, you know, for me, it's, it's as long as the guys are stopping pucks and, you know, you know, where the game's going, but that's what I see in the game how the goaltending position is evolving is movements and position play. Eric says, size doesn't matter, skill matter. And you are a very skilled goaltender. All right, Jordan, I know you got your final point, your final question. I just just quickly the last thing. Who, who's your favorite goalie to watch right now? Uh good, and, good question. Yeah. I'm a little biased. Um because I, I coach them both. So I like to watch Gibby and, and Freddie, you know, because I coach them. Yeah. I like, you know, I have a vested interest in them and, and like watch them play and you know, if I get a call from, you know, Freddie, we'll call every once in a while about positional play or, or something that's going on in the game. I want to make sure I'm ready for it. Um, but obviously, I'm just a fan right now. I, I love watching Vass. I love watching Sorrows. I love watching any goalie out there. The guys in New York, um, you know, on both teams, they're, they're awesome. Like, it's just, for me, it, it's fun to watch. Last year was, you know, little bias as well. I love Smitty and I hope Smitty had was gonna be able to do some make some magic there in Edmonton. You know, I played yeah. with him in Tampa and being an older guy and going down the same road that, that I went down. I wanted there wanted to be support for him. And so it, it, you know for me I just love watching guys and watching the how the game's being played and how the guys are are dealing with how the game's changed, you know, how they're transitioning and how they're moving and, and what's going on. So for me, it's just I'm a big fan, and I just love watching hockey. All right, Cup favorite. Who's going to win the Stanley Cup? Is Vasilevsky going to come back? Is Shesterkin going to lead the New York Rangers, or does Freddie Anderson win it in Carolina? You go first, Jordan. I I've been thinking with this all off season. I'm saying Carolina. Carolina, Dwayne, were you? We won't hold you to it, but we'll come back to you and see if you're right later on. There's a lot of good choices out there, but. Uh... You know, I, I'm going to go with Jordan there with Freddie and hopefully he has another great go. year and he stays healthy and you, you never know what can happen. Dwayne, we can't thank you enough for taking some time out. It's been uh, almost 45 minutes. It feels like we could stay on here for a couple more hours. Thank you for taking time out with us, uh, Terry. Thank you for getting us such a, an incredible guy. Uh, we really look forward to getting you back on the show as the season gets on. And then we can just see how Freddie's doing, how Bezalewski's doing. I know Shesterskin. And, of course, I need my Hellerbuck to come back and, and be Vesna winner so that the Winnipeg Jets can at least make the playoffs this year and go deep again yeah connor's uh connor was a umass lowell grad so yeah so i had spent some time with connor so i watch him a lot and i'm happy for him i wouldn't you know wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me if he has a bounce back here that's for sure
All right. Ladies and gentlemen, Dwayne Rolston, uh, thank you so much uh, taking time with us, bud. It was uh, a pleasure. Thank you, guys. Have a good night. Thanks, Dwayne. You too. Nice guy. Calming. Really nice He's guy. Very calming. Uh, obviously, that's how he played. Uh, you wouldn't know that uh, he was a, one of, you know, at his time in, you know, playing in Edmonton, that, that uh, 2006 series, uh, it was all run and gun. And he was phenomenal. But we saw that, you know, that's what goalies are about now, right? Yep. It's that mental part of the game that keeps you. You need that equal, like you need to be an equal. You can't be that uh, today's game. You can't take the highs too high and the lows too low. Exactly. And I, I did have a hard time with that uh, throughout my whole career, really. I mean, I, I, there's some extra stuff away from the rink I, I couldn't keep really control, but uh no i mean I, I, was, I was very happy sitting here listening to Dwayne. someone who maybe I, if we had so, maybe we had it. him as a coach we could have made it to the national hockey league <laughs> maybe, maybe all right ladies and gentlemen thank you for joining us here at gooch live of course we're here at the bottom line come and check it out we are a slap shot away from the hockey hall of fame of course and just down the street jordan and i just watching the toronto maple leafs take on the ottawa centers in the pregame uh very exciting hockey hockey you Wednesday at noon when we do lunch with Gooch and friends. You've been listening to Gooch Live with your host, Carrie Goulet, better known as the Gooch, brought to you by the Hockey News and Sports Illustrated. 